going to start with a game. Everyone likes to start a sermon with a game. So, uh, I, if I haven't quite figured out how you're going to indicate this, um, but I'm going to read a series of um, statements, and if you think they're true, uh, you can raise your hands, and if you think they're false, you can just do nothing, which means if you're trying not to play my game, you're still playing, uh, uh, and you'll think it, I'll think you think the thing is false. So, uh, let me start. Prince Harry is taller than Prince William. True? False. Well, everyone here thinks it's false. Prince William, Harry is taller than Prince William, and everyone is correct. Uh, there's only five centimetres in it, so I'm surprised that it was so unanimous. All right, next one. Uh, the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland. True or false? Oh, Ruth, no, 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 no comment. It's true, apparently. Yeah, there you go. We're in the wrong country, clearly, for both whiskey and unicorn reasons. Um, the Great Wall of China is longer than the distance between London and Beijing. The Great Wall of China is longer than the distance between London and Beijing. True? Hands up. False. No, 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 no. I, I take false hands in. I'm not telling you the answer. It's true. Uh, 8,136 kilometres from London to Beijing. Great Wall of China, 21,096 kilometres. Obviously, 8,136 kilometres is in a straight line, not the roads you'd take to drive there. Um, uh, one more. Australia is wider than the moon. True? False. The moon, 3,400. Australia, 4,000. There you go. Um, Australia, that was true. Australia is indeed wider than the moon in terms of di the diameter of the moon. Now, why am I starting a sermon uh, with true or false questions? Well, partly because I thought you all stopped listening to me at the start of my sermon, so it was time to re-engage you. Uh, but actually, uh, it's because we, uh, we know, don't we, that when we're trying to determine the truth of something, that it has to have some bearing on facts. Uh, you, you can say uh, all you want that Prince Harry is taller than Prince William, but it's just simply not true. And we live in a world that's got a sort of funny relationship with truth. It almost seems to me as if nothing is true unless it reinforces our preconceived ideas. So it's like if I already think Prince Harry is taller, uh, then even if I get presented with a series of facts that prove that not to be the case, then uh, I, it doesn't matter, I just go with what I already believe. Or uh, I only believe the things that people who uh, are on my team say. And if someone from the, who doesn't agree with me on, on some other issue tells me some other truth, then I just dismiss that on the basis of, of who they are or what they believe. But of course, truth is truth, no matter who says it. And when it comes to Christianity we too have a, a, a standard of truth by which we can judge what people 
say, by which we can test whether what we're hearing is good and from God or whether it's nonsense or whether it's fanciful or whether it's something that we should reject. John, in fact, has uh, already addressed this. You'll remember uh, there's these two big themes in, in John's book that he keeps circling around and around. Light and truth, the, the light and truth of Jesus and, and what he has come to do in, in dying on the cross for our sins and love, the love of God who saw us in the predicament that we're in and so did this true thing and sent Jesus to come and sacrificially die for us so, so that we could be in a loving relationship with him. And then we're called to live out that love. So light and truth. And back in chapter 2, John addresses uh, people who are lying, who are potentially uh, going out from the Christian church. They've, they've, they've kind of started in the right place, but they've gone out and they're now working against the gospel. He says in verse uh, 22 of chapter 2, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. He says, stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. That's where truth is. And having encouraged us at the end of chapter 3 to live out the truth of the gospel, to live our lives based on Jesus, John now is encouraging uh, his readers and he's encouraging us to make sure we're not naive followers of Christ who just simply go along with whoever is in front of us, but that we are wise and discerning and testing those who claim to be from God, making sure they're not false teachers. He starts, verse 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We know this to be true even just in our own lived experience, don't we? And the test for truth, John goes on to explain. So he tells them, test them. He also says how to test them. This is how you recognise the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. The test, does it acknowledge Jesus? Does the person who's claiming to be a representative of Christ, acknowledge Jesus. Jesus Christ, come in the flesh, come from God, come to save us. And it's not just any idea about Jesus, is it? It's, he goes on to, to give even more detail about the need for uh, this to be the truth about Jesus as revealed in the teachings of the apostles. Verses 4 through 6 you, dear children, are from God and have, and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint to, of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, that is the apostles, to John. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. We have as Christians, a received tradition from the apostles, from the people who Jesus 
Christ walked around with written for us in the scriptures that tell us about Jesus Christ, born of Mary, born in Bethlehem, lived in Galilee, died in Jerusalem, uh, raised to life, ascended into heaven. Uh, This story is our story. It is our foundation. It is a true story. And it matters. And in it is the demonstration of God's love, as we'll see, but also in it is the, the power we need for changed lives. But the world and people who love the world and people who even sometimes call themselves Christians go out from us and they tell us to listen to them and they tell us that Christianity is about something else or that Jesus uh, is, is not quite who the apostles said he was and we know better now and they try often to lead us astray. And it's interesting, isn't it, that John says that when people do this, the world loves them. When people give an account of Jesus that is according to the world standards, the world loves it. And we see this even in, in the here and now. Lest I am accused of throwing stones in uh, glass houses, uh, let me just give you an example from the Australian Anglican Church. So you probably know of this guy called Father Rod Bauer. Uh, He runs uh, a church, I'm not sure if he's still the rector there at the moment, uh, but he was the rector of a church in Gosford, uh, just down the road from where I grew up, in fact, and my father was the rector of the church up the road. And in Gosford, uh, they are loved by the world because they've got a sign. You've probably seen the sign. And sometimes the sign has some good things on the sign. Sometimes he writes good things on the sign. Sometimes he writes some stupid things on the sign too. But the world loves him. He put up a series of signs on his church that were a little controversial, a little bit political. And if you Google him... You can find the ABC, the New York Times, the Sydney Morning Herald, all with fawning articles over Father Rod Bauer. Why aren't all the Anglican ministers like Father Rod Bauer? He's just fantastic. And then you go and listen to one of his sermons or hear him speak theologically and he says this. When we explore perhaps what I mean when I use the word God we can come to a close and common ground with atheists because I'm not talking about some divine being. God is the very act of existing and so there's a point of meeting for atheists and people of faith. I don't really believe in heaven and hell, at least not in the traditional sense. If there's a heaven, it's probably a bit like the Mardi Gras. (coughs) Or, on referring to Jesus, there is no necessity for us to understand the death of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. Textbook false teaching. Nonsense. No one is being drawn closer to Jesus with that garbage. And John tells us that we need to have discerning minds that we need to test what these people say, especially people who the world holds up as models. Hey, here's a Christian minister. Look, he's, he's, he even wears a collar. I don't wear one of them. He must know more about Jesus than I do. 
textbook false teaching. And what's even more uh, perverse is that these false teachers whom the world loves, often we're told it's love that drives them. That the reason that they should be listened to is because they are the ones who understand love. And that they love people too much to be judgmental. They love people too much to take God's word seriously or to understand it in simplistic ways like those silly apostles did 2,000 years ago when everyone was stupid. No, we know better because we're all loving now. And those simplistic, stupid apostles come up and say, hang on a second, what are you talking about? Because the true gospel is the both the source and the model for true love. There is no love in falsehood. But love is found in God. Dear friends, verse 7, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's a tragedy if the Christian church is not marked by deep, authentic and true love because God is the source of love and God is also the model for love. He has shown us what love looks like. God empowers us to love. He's the source of our love and he shows us what it looks like. This is how God showed his love among us, verse 9. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, so we also ought to love one another. If you get Jesus wrong, if you get rid of the atoning, sacrificial uh, life and love of Christ, you can never get love right. Love is sacrificial. It is Christ-like. And God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to save us from our sins, to transform our lives, to rescue us from a world that is dark, so much of what we think passes as love today is pathetic pandering to people that simply leaves them in darkness and in the mess of their sin. Try and tell me that's loving. It's not loving at all. It's not the kind of love God has for us. He doesn't leave us helpless and alone and destroyed and uh, reaping the consequences of our stupidity and sin. No. He loved us so much, he intervened in our lives. He intervened in the world. He sent Jesus. False love that the world loves is powerless. God's love is true and powerful and transformative. And John calls us to this kind of truth-based love. 
love with the gospel and he calls us to this because he knows this is the kind of life uh, that we will live if we get the basics right. That is, when God uh, has loved us and when we have understood that, then the spirit produces in us sacrificial love for our brothers and sisters. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father uh, has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. God is the one who provides the source for love, the power to love. And we acknowledge God's love for us through what he's demonstrated by sending Jesus into the world to save us. And when we do that, when we get that right, God's Spirit comes and empowers us to love others the way God has loved us. And when we get this right, it's a source of great confidence because we know that our sins are dealt with. We know that God loves us and, and, and wants us to be uh, restored and, and in relationship with him because he sent Jesus to do it. So we don't have to worry about the day of judgment because well, we do if we try and do it by ourselves. But it, once we know that God loves us so much that he's included us in Christ through faith, we're freed from fear. We're f- we can be confident God is going to vindicate us because we're in Christ on the day of judgment. This is how love is made complete among us, John says, verse 17, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God's love, so transformative, so powerful, it makes us uh, different. It changes us to be more like Jesus, sacrificial in the way we love and orientated to others with love. Whoever love, uh, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. You get the truth right. You get who Jesus is right. You understand God's love for you. You, you have take confidence in that. And then you ignore your brothers and sisters in Christ and don't do anything for them. Ba-bow. Fail. 
That's not how it works. The Spirit of God uh, produces in those who understand the truth of who God is, of what God has done for them in Jesus, uh, is transformed so that they live love, live lives of love towards their brothers and sisters in Christ. It just naturally occurs. It's not that it's easy. It's not that it doesn't take a bit of deliberate effort on our part, a bit of thinking about who's around us and how can I love them effectively. But God promises to enable us by his spirit to live lives of love for one another. And so, as we reflect on this uh, chapter of John's letter today, uh, I want to leave you with three questions to, to chew over Uh, as you reflect upon it and maybe you read it again uh, later this week. The first is, do you know the truth? Do you know the truth that God loves you and that he sent his son Jesus into the world to die for you? And are you committed to that truth as the foundation for your life? And then... Once you've considered that question, consider these. Who is it that you need to love sacrificially this week? Who is it that God has placed in your life, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your neighbours, your friends, that he's calling you to love as he loved you? Knowing the truth of his love, who's he calling you to demonstrate that to? And then once you've figured out who... The next thing to ponder is how. How will you love them sacrificially this week? You might need to start simply with prayer. God, I think you're calling me to sacrificial love of John. Uh, Please help me uh, and show me some ways that I can do that. Maybe you need to uh, go to your Bible study group and ask them for some advice Hey, I've got this thing, I feel like I need to do this. Can you help me? Can you give me some ideas? Maybe you want to come and see me and talk to me about it. But if you know the truth of God's sacrificial love in Christ for you, then the fact is the Spirit of God is going to be constantly prompting you to love your brothers and sisters. And we can help out by deliberately thinking about who it is he's placed among us and then asking God to inspire us as to how we can love them sacrificially. Amen. Amen.